This particular weekend, the first weekend of August, is significant to me. It was 20 years ago this past week that I packed up my life in Ohio, the only state where I had ever lived, and I got into my 1986 Chevrolet Nova and I drove west. And on this weekend, 20 years ago, I arrived into Oregon, a place I had never been before. Soon after getting here, I realized there would be a lot of decisions for me to make. In fact, on the very day I arrived, as I crossed the Idaho border and entered into Oregon, the first time I stopped for gas and I got out and grabbed the gas pump, this man came running out of the building yelling at me. And I thought, what have I done? And then I learned there would be this decision to make. Every time I needed gas, would I drive over to Vancouver, Washington and do it myself? <laughs> or would I sit back and relax like the Oregonians do? And I decided that I would let someone else pump my gas. And then the first October that I was in Oregon came and the rains began to fall. I spent that month looking for Noah and his ark because I was convinced I would find, find him. Well, I was working on a college campus in Portland and on one particular day the rain was pouring and there I was safe and dry under my big golf-sized umbrella. And a student walked up to me and said, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> and I said, well, why do you say that? We don't use umbrellas in Oregon. <laughs> so I had this decision, umbrella or no umbrella. And I have decided that the umbrella goes in the closet. So many decisions to make, and some of them were pretty easy. But let me tell you, not all of them were as simple as that. I began to hear about this thing, the Civil War. And I thought, surely these people have let go of that. It's more than 100 years ago. <laughs> and then I learned it was about football. What are beavers and ducks? What kind of mascots are they anyway? But for a Buckeye to accuse any mascot is a pretty weird thing. But what would I decide? I've always felt a need to make a decision on this. And for 20 years I've wrestled. I've wondered, will I give my allegiance to the beavers or the ducks? And now in front of a live audience, I'm prepared to reveal what I've decided. But before I do, I wanna give one more chance if you would like to sway my decision. Last service, somebody shouted out Notre Dame or something like that. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have decided to root for the beavers. There are, there are a lot of decisions there are a lot of reasons why I made that decision. Um, and if you like what I've done, you can make donations to my children's college funds. <laughs> I have decided I'll let someone pump my gas. I have decided to put my umbrella away. I have decided to root for the beavers. I have 
decided. Three words that can change the course of a person's life. We're launching today a new series here at Salem Alliance called The Followers, where we want to look at this decision to follow Jesus. We're glad that a lot more of our kids are here with us this month in the service because these are incredibly important things we enter into. I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision or maybe you're here and you haven't made that decision yet. Whatever the case, we invite you to lean in with us as we look more closely at this decision to follow Jesus for a lifetime. Steve Fowler, this past fall, talked with us about how a person's decision to follow Jesus impacts the head and the heart and the hands. And we hope these coming weeks help us with that. We hope to continue this conversation about what a healthy life of discipleship, a healthy life of following Jesus, what is that? And how do we engage in it? In just a minute, we'll turn to Luke chapter 5. That's page 1622 in the Bible there in front of you. And we'll be picking up with the story where Jesus is inviting some of his very first followers into service. We'll look at Peter, and we'll see that his decision to follow Jesus would impact the things he thought in his head, the things he felt in his heart, and the things he would do with his hands. Join me now in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, and Simon is Peter, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Peter followed Jesus with his head. He called him master. This is a word that means teacher. Peter acknowledged that he had things to learn from Jesus. But it went further than that. Peter gave his very intellect to Jesus. Imagine what this event would have been like for Peter. He was a fisherman. Maybe his father or his grandfather had been fishermen before him. They had trained him. Or perhaps he had a master's degree from a great fishing institute. Whatever the case, Peter is the one who knows what fishing is all about. And Jesus gets in his boat and says to him, go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. This would have challenged Peter at the very core of his intellect. Peter tells Jesus, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. Peter knows he's a gifted 
fisherman, and he knows that Jesus is but a carpenter. And he knows that nighttime is the right time for catching fish, and he knows they tried that and it didn't work. But there is this one thing. Peter was looking at Jesus, and no matter what his intellect was telling him, Peter concludes that Jesus knows best. And Peter submitted to Jesus. He said, because you say so, I will let down the nets again. And what followed was such an incredible catch of fish that it threatened to sink two boats. Peter decided to follow Jesus and it impacted his head. Have you given your head to Jesus, your academic ability, your professional know-how? the belief that you're right on a particular topic, or maybe the very things you do with your mind? Will you invite Jesus to be your teacher, that he would have the right to change your mind, that he would have the right to reveal himself to you through his word? Peter's decision to follow Jesus impacted his head. There were many times where Jesus would want to change Peter's mind. Back when I was in college, a long, long, long time ago, there was one night where I was sitting around in the dorm with some friends, and we were all talking about our futures. And that night, I boldly declared that I would never move far from Ohio. I mean, you know that John Denver song, Almost Heaven, West Virginia? Well, if West Virginia is almost heaven, and Ohio is right there beside it, that would make Ohio heaven. And if Ohio is heaven, anything west of the Indiana border is... Exactly. I saw no reason to leave, except for the invitation of Jesus. I I obeyed, I followed, But there was much mystery, much I didn't understand. And to this day, there's a lot I I still don't understand. But looking back over the course of 20 years, some of it does begin to make sense. I've been given the opportunity to thrive in ministry here in my new land. I met my husband here. I've been involved in Bible study with women from Salem Alliance Church for 15 years now. Nick and I are raising our kids here. All of these things began with a shift in my thinking. Our minds are vital to our walks with Christ. The commitment that Peter made in Luke chapter 5 when he said, because you say so, I will, that decision would set the stage for the rest of Peter's life. Peter's decision to follow Jesus also impacted his heart. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For Peter was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Peter somehow knows that the greatest catch of fish he's ever seen had nothing to do with his 
ability to catch fish. It had everything to do with Jesus. Peter fell to his, mo his knees in that very moment of professional success. And he said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too sinful to even be around you. Peter knows that Jesus is God, and he confesses his sins. There was no shame in that. That was the right thing to do. We need to realize that Jesus got in the boat that day not to condemn Peter, but to invite Peter. And now Peter calls Jesus Lord. He knows he's in the presence of God himself. And God's greatness was displayed through something as ordinary as catching fish. And it overwhelmed Peter. Imagine just those first minutes after this great catch and maybe all of Peter's hopes and dreams and all of his passions pass before his eyes. Maybe for the first time in his life, he considers that there's more than just his pursuit of the Galilean dream. Everything he was passionate about bowed to Jesus in the boat that day. He could trust Jesus with it. When you and I give our hearts to Jesus, we're actually giving him our affections, our wills, the very things that drive, that motivate us, we're offering them to him. And like Peter, there is no need for us to hide sinfulness from Jesus. Jesus came to rescue us from it. Have you decided to follow Jesus with your heart? Have you given him your passions? The Bible tells us that Peter and the other fishermen were awestruck by what happened. And on this ordinary day in a fishing boat, Peter bowed to Jesus. A few weeks ago, I had just an ordinary day. I got up early. I was praying. I was praying for my children, and I'll confess I was worrying and struggling as much as I was praying. And then, like all of you, the sun came up, and my day went on, and I had to go about the things in my day. And one of those things was a quick errand to TJ Maxx. It was amazing to go in there and within minutes to realize that I was in the presence of God at TJ Maxx. As I looked across the way, I saw a woman who I know just a little bit, and her very presence there gave me the hope that I needed in that minute. And then, very funny, I went over to the children's clothing rack and pulled some t-shirts out and written right across the t-shirts was the very word I had been struggling with and praying about. This had nothing to do with my prowess as a clearance shopper. God was there and in that hallowed moment at TJ Maxx, I could bow to him and trust him with my heart. When Peter bowed to Jesus in the boat that day, it opened up the door of his heart. Have you decided to follow Jesus with your heart? Let's keep reading in Luke chapter 5, there at the end of verse 10. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. 
Jesus has this incredible adventure in store for Peter, and it included the very things Peter would do with his hands. For Peter, it comes down to this decision, fish for salmon or fish for the souls of men. And Peter pulled his boat up on shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. What would that decision look like in your life? For many of us, it would probably leave us in the same place that we are currently. But for some of us, it probably would mean a job or a geographic change. Maybe for some of us, it would be to repent of the sinful things we've been doing with our hands. And for others, it would be to engage in God's work with our hands for the first time. Have you decided to follow Jesus with your hands? Maybe you know what it is Jesus wants you to do and you just simply need the courage. Or maybe you don't have any idea what he would have you to do. I would urge you to pray about it. I would urge you to connect with our Connecting Ministries department. Earlier, Jeff showed that slide. Things are just going to kick off in September, and there is time right now for you to talk with someone and learn how you can engage in God's work with your hands. Imagine that day on the Sea of Galilee, the looks on people's faces. Peter puts his boat in dry dock. He hangs up the hip waders. These people must have thought he was crazy. This was radical stuff for a fisherman to do. And I want to ask, are you prepared for people to think you're crazy when you follow Jesus? Consider this. Acts chapter 2 tells the story where that crazy fisherman who became a preacher gives a sermon and 3,000 people believe in Jesus in one day. Crazy or not, those 3,000 people must have been celebrating that he followed Jesus with the work of his hands. Have you decided to follow Jesus? For more than 2,000 years, people all over the world have been making this decision. And it is a life-changing decision that impacts everything about the person. This series that we're launching just for five weeks is going to help us look more closely at what it means to follow Jesus. And we will be taking time to learn from members of our own body here at Salem Alliance of all different ages. And we're going to look at what it is to follow with our heads and our hearts and our hands. And right now, today, we're turning our attention to children. Not just any children, but some of our own Salem Alliance children. So prepare yourself to learn from this video. Have you ever wondered what a kid's perspective on discipleship is? I mean, when they hear the word disciple, what do they think of? What's, what's the picture that comes to their mind? I'm getting ready to sit down with some kids, and I'm going to ask them that question, and I can't wait to hear what they have to say.
What is a disciple? It's like a man who follows God. Can women follow God? <laughs> yeah. Someone who follows Jesus. Mm, someone that follows Jesus. Mm, to follow where Jesus goes. It's a person that works for God. It's someone who worships Jesus. Someone who worships Jesus. What's it look like to follow God? Like to trust in Him and have faith in Him. Um, you praise Him. Read the Bible. Uh, and do what's right. Um, not being rude. Okay, not being rude? Uh -huh. Good job. It means to like believe in Him and until you die you will go to heaven with him, and if you don't believe, you'll go to a bad place. <laughs> I don't want to say. Um, to pray to God. Follow what he says, and like, if he says something crazy, like, uh, like jump off a building, then, then you should do it. What do you mean by being a Christian and following Jesus? Life for you don't go to hell, and it's not as good as heaven, and it's good to follow Jesus and do the right things. How is heaven better than hell? Because hell is doing bad things and stuff, and heaven is good, and you can do whatever you want in heaven. You can do whatever you want in heaven? Except for bad things. Oh, what's your favorite story in the Bible? Um, Jesus dies on the cross. And why is that your favorite story? Because, um... He saves his people from their sins. So when you when you were three years old and you invited Jesus in your heart, he forgave you of your sins. Does that feel good? When did you start, first start becoming a disciple of Jesus? I think when I was like two years old, maybe. I was three. I think I was like five or something. I forgot. I think it was eight or seven I got baptized. I, I think I was, uh, was I six when I got no. baptized? Seven. Tell me about that. Oh, I remember my mom would give me a fruit snack if I nailed my, <laughs> my um, name on the cross because I didn't want to do it, but I did. Are you glad that you did? Yes. There's this verse in the Bible where Jesus says, if any man wants to follow me, he needs to take up his cross and come after me. What does that mean? I'm not really so sure. Take up your cross and follow me. Huh? Like, I don't know. No. No. To what? Going to the forest. Going to the forest? I don't know. Is there someone you know, someone that you think is a good follower of Jesus, a disciple? Well, there's some friends of ours, since I don't know what their names are. Some of my friends at school do, like um, our neighbor, Amani, does. My friend, Lily. My friends. Your friends? What are their names? Jacob and Jenna. I have a lot of friends. Maybe it would take a whole week. <laughs> I'm Hannah. Hannah. Mommy and Daddy. And old grandma and grandpa. And grandma and grandpa. And then papa. 
God. Jesus. Uh, how do you know that they're followers of Jesus? Because they're really good Christians and they love Jesus. Like when someone's like, hey, let's go do it do a bad thing, they're like, no, it's not nice, and stuff like that. They go to church. So going to church is important if you're a follower of Jesus. What else is important? Reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. Well, they do what God tells them to do, like, the, he says, follow me, then they'll follow. They talk about God with other people that don't know God and Jesus. They talk about about God to to around the the world um to go to church go to church what else um to ask them to be your forever friend listening to worship music on your iPhone or something telling other people about Jesus is good that way they don't go to hell mhm have you ever told anyone about Jesus i'm not sure and can you tell a story of when you had faith and you trusted God? I don't remember because that was a long time ago. Yeah, because you're <laughs> third grade, so you mm -hmm. we're talking decades. If you were talking um, to some people who were older, and what would you what would you say to them about why it's important that they follow Jesus? Like so that. So that you can uh, make more followers and believers. The reason why it's important for girls to follow Jesus is that because if they didn't, they wouldn't know how to make or how to teach kids to be followers of Jesus. You should always follow Jesus? Uh-huh. No matter how young you are or no matter how old you are. Amen? Children are not the church of sometime way out there in the future. Children are the church of right now, today. God's heart is tender toward children, children of every age, every race, every ability. Jesus values children. Listen to the words in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 13. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Think about if we had been there that day to see this. Maybe it was a culture that wasn't valuing children. Or in the very least, we know that the disciples were not prepared to value them that day. But Jesus valued the children greatly. And Jesus explained that anyone who comes to Jesus and trusts like a child would trust is always welcome 
with Jesus. He says the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children. 